Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. I'm very happy to welcome Ann Swanson here. She's the author of Science of Yoga and a meditation teacher. Yes, I'm a yoga therapist and a meditation teacher. All right, well, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I wrote Science of Yoga five years ago, and now I just had the opportunity to write my new book, Meditation for the Real World. And this was important to me because I wanted to go into the mindset, into the neuroscience, into what is really shifting us with yoga. And I I truly believe, although the movement is important, that the meditation is where the magic happens. This is the uh, higher states of yoga. When we look at yoga as a whole, it has a variety of parts to it. It has eight limbs. It has the poses and it has breath work. And then when we get into those more deeper esoteric practices, like in the meditation, that's where you really have these transformations. So I wanted to write a book about these transformations, but in a super practical way. It is meditations for the real world. So think any real world situation that you deal with, Maybe you get nervous before you speak to people. I take a moment and do a one-minute pause before a podcast interview like this. Do a little mini meditation. Maybe you are overwhelmed from doom scrolling. There's a meditation in there for that. If you're having trouble sleeping or anxiety, because I myself have dealt with a lot of anxiety. Uh, I was always an anxious person and meditation did not come easy to me. And I have found that meditation has been a huge help for my anxiety disorders and my passing out at the most inopportune times and all of these uh issues that I had, meditation has made a huge impact, including these short one-minute meditations that I talk about in the book. I read that you would pass out from time to time. What caused that? If anybody's ever experienced like a panic attack or that extreme anxiety that just washes over you, you feel like you're getting pale, you taste metal, you're like just maybe even shaking and it It can come from a variety of triggers. For me, it was about my body, about going to the doctor. And when a doctor or a nurse would do a procedure on me and I didn't really trust them. So if they didn't have that good quality of care, that good connection and communication, they weren't listening to me. I would just go into instead of fight or flight, I would go into freeze and I would just pass out. I mean, on the floor, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I am. They're always asking you your name. I don't know that I'm human. I can't tell you my name. I don't know where I am. And slowly I start to like gather information and start to process and understand as I wake up on the floor with all these people surrounding me, asking me questions. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm human. I have boundaries. Like at first I feel timeless and boundaryless. And then I'm like, okay, I feel my skin. I have boundaries oh my gosh, am I in another country with my organs like taken out of me and I'm in a bathtub of ice? Like, where am I? Am I safe right now? I'm like, okay, I have my organs. All right. I'm okay. I'm at the eye doctor. (laughs) That's a creepy looking eye doctor. And I just slowly gather. 
And they tell me that this entire process that feels like an eternity is like 10 seconds. It's like it, time is warped. I'm in this crazy zone. And obviously, this is not something I wanted to do every time I got a procedure. It was very traumatic. I have an adrenaline rush for days afterwards. I cannot sleep. I'm shaky. I can't drive afterwards. So I tried to ameliorate this. I, I went to a yoga doc, a yoga therapist and I've gone to a therapist and what should I do? And they're like, okay, this is what you should do. You should do a little body awareness and breath awareness, you know, classic focal points for meditation. Mm-hmm. Often in a mindfulness meditation, that's what we're focusing on. I'm like, okay, I believe in this meditation thing. I'm going to do this. So I go back to the doctor and I had the same situation. I'm like, okay, just notice your breath, notice your body sensations. And then I notice boom, 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 boom. And I taste metal in my mouth and I can feel myself getting pale and boom, I'm out quicker than ever before. That particular meditation technique made me go down quicker. And so I started to dive into the research because I still believe in meditation. Obviously, I, I love focusing on my body awareness and typical situations. But in that particular situation, it made it worse. Apparently, when people are dealing with acute anxiety, like a panic attack, then when they do anything that has to do with body awareness or breath awareness, it can make it worse. A lot of people in the research report that it made it worse. So if you've ever experienced a meditation where you're like, oh my gosh, I don't like that. It didn't feel good. It didn't help me. Well, you might've just been doing the wrong meditation technique for that situation. It's not that that's a bad technique, just not in the heat of the moment. I practice body awareness at home all the time, but in the heat of the moment, you want to more focus on, well, I have two things. If you ever, if anybody out there is also dealing with extreme anxiety and panic attacks, like I just described or anything in that (laughs) In that realm, I have two things. One, you could do this right here as you're listening. Put your feet on the ground, or maybe you just feel your feet already on the ground. Press them down. Maybe you're sitting, maybe you're standing. Feel the points of contact of your body against the surfaces you're touching. And if you have your hands in your lap, turn the palms facing down. Feel the point of contact of your hands on your lap. And take several slow breaths, focusing on the exhales and a sense of sinking down, grounding down, connecting to the earth. This grounding meditation technique is very helpful in those situations for me. I'm able to feel connected. You know, when you pass out, you're like, uh, it feels like you're out of body experience. So I'm able to be back in my body and I can answer questions if they have questions or I have to talk in that sort of procedure. Now, if I'm at the dentist and they're in my mouth or if it's something where I don't have to answer questions, instead, my most effective technique is visualization, distraction, go somewhere else. I imagine a safe place for me that's at the beach. So I'm at the beach and I wiggle my toes and I literally am wiggling my toes and I'm listening to the sound of the ocean. My breath becomes the sound of the ocean in the foreground and I visualize the beach. This visualization technique is really helpful because it brings me into those 
feelings as if I were there. Your brain can't necessarily tell whether you're there or you're imagining you're there. It, it, it processes it the same. It releases the same neurochemicals. So that's what I do in those situations. But meditation has been a huge help and specifically the right technique for the right situation, which is why I wrote this book. It's because each situation you can do a different technique. There's not only just one or two types that you've done before. There's a plethora of techniques. And you didn't just sit down and write a book. You did quite a bit of research and had some help on this book, didn't you? Yeah, so I obviously I wrote the book Science of Yoga. So I'm very into the science and looking up the research to support the practices. And I dove into the research, as you heard, for understanding what's best for anxiety. And then I was looking into certain situations, what would be best for depression? What affirmations work for depression? What don't? And so I dove into the research and there is so much research. It's been an exponential growth of meditation research. And I had Harvard scientist, Dr. Sarah Lazar, who is a neuroscientist that peers into the brains of beginner meditators all the way to advanced meditators like monks and yogis. She puts them in MRI scanners and does a variety of experiments. And so she advised me on the science in this book. And I wrote it in a way that's really accessible, a way that you can understand and understand why it's benefiting you. Because I find if I know why it's benefiting me, I'm more likely to practice. If I understand that there's evidence, there's science to support this, that this is going to change the density of your gray matter, the areas of your brain that help you to focus, like the prefrontal cortex, get more connectivity, areas of the brain that help you to have a good memory, have more connectivity. And then we have less connectivity in fear-based areas, less activity and networks involved in selfish thinking, and more activity and networks involved in compassion and connection. So if I can understand that there is real evidence to support this, I'm more likely to practice. And I think that it helps other people get motivated to practice too. I'm a big advocate for meditation. And let me say this beforehand, please talk to your doctor before you do anything like get off medication. But Mm, yes, I was on medication for depression, anxiety, PTSD, the whole nine yards. And then I, I met a lady named Carolyn Corey, and she's the one actually was my, I guess, my encouragement. She didn't tell me to go do this, just was an encouragement to do it. To get into meditation, I slowly weaned myself off those pills. And now, like Sam, we went and visited New York. And we were getting get on the subway. Never been on a subway in my life, but I've heard nightmare stories about them. I went into meditation before we got on. Mm. And I didn't need a pill. It was amazing. And that's why I encourage people to try it. 
know, if I can do it, anybody can do it. (laughs) (laughs) And the cover of Meditation for the Real World, which is illustrated by Michelle Mildenberg Lara, she's a illustrator for the New York Times and the New Yorker. It kind of has that vibe of the New Yorker. It's somebody sitting on a subway, just like you described, (laughs) and they have headphones on and they're surrounded by people that look like they're, you know, on their phones, on their computer, like not paying attention. And she's the only one that's present. She's got her feet grounded on the surface beneath her and her palms down, just like we practice. And she is present. If you can take these moments through the day and use your meditation when you need it, you're going to get the optimal effects. You're going to see immediate results like you saw. And instead of scrolling while you're waiting, meditate while you wait You don't have to sit for 20, 30 minutes a day. You can integrate little ones through your day. And we're finding this also with the exercise research is that little mini exercise snacks through the day, little breaks of movement. We've all experienced it just feels good to stretch for a moment in the day, walk around after you've been sitting for a while. That may be even more effective than doing a full one hour. So the same is starting to be unveiled through the research for meditation is that these one, two, three, even five minute practices have measurable changes in your body, in your neurochemistry. One practice that's just five minutes of focusing on your heart, your physical heart, and sending light and love to somebody you love. That's it. It sounds kind of woo-woo, but it's also very, very simple. And, and you know you feel good when you're imagining somebody you love, smiling and at ease and developing that compassion. So you just do that for five minutes. They found that specific antibodies in the immune system increased by like multiple hundreds of times. And this increase lasted for hours afterwards, which showed an ability for your immune system to fight invaders better. It also, just five minutes, lowers stress hormones like cortisol, and participants report that they felt more energy for hours and hours after just a five-minute meditation. So if we can integrate these little targeted practices through our day, we can get those immediate results, and anybody can do it. Yeah, and let me tell you, I'm far from being a hippie. <laughs> so I know there's somebody out there listening or watching going, I'm not into that hippy dippy stuff. I am far from it. And I told you I suffer from PTSD. So when I get startled, I go into panic mode. I started meditating to calm down or excuse me from to calm down from that as well. Cause I mean I would flip. I would flip out. Yeah. And I love how you described those optional pills that Mm. you could have taken for that extreme anxiety and that you decided not to because you had the tools. It's good that you had the pills, right? The prescription in case you needed it, but you were able to choose not to. There has been research in meditation that people who have optional pills, like optional pain pills, they're less likely to take them once they have these tools of meditation. 
So it's good that we have uh, Western medicine, medicine to support us in those extreme times when we need them. And as a backup, and as you learn these techniques to kind of wean you into it, but as you learn it, as you practice it, it gets better and better. We think, oh, practice makes perfect. Then I'll just be perfect at it and I'll never have these. No, you know, life is a masterpiece that's constantly unfolding and practice makes progress. Practice makes presence. When you're more present, then you're able to rise to be your your best self. You're able to handle the situations that come your way with more grace and ease. And we found in the research that your ability to be present is a predictor of your happiness. So when people are present with whatever they're doing, you're washing the dishes and you're feeling, you know, the warmth of the water on your skin, you're looking out the window, you're listening to music, you're present, you're like in the vibe, in the moment, right? You're enjoying it. That is what the researchers found to be not only correlated, but a cause of happiness. The people who were washing their dishes and thinking about their list of things to do, and they were thinking about like what they said yesterday, and I shouldn't have said that, they reported they, they were unhappy. Now, it didn't matter what activity you were doing, whether it was a chore like washing the dishes or something pleasurable like uh, playing with your kids or having sex. If you were present doing it, you were happier than if you were off thinking of something else. And that was a very large study that came to that conclusion, published in the uh, prestigious journal Science. So this research uh, has been more and more in the forefront, which is why there's been so much research. It's not a hippy-dippy thing anymore. This is a thing of scholars. This is the thing of our top performers who are meditating because it increases your focus. It increases your ability to connect with others and to handle those challenges. Like you described PTSD and my anxiety. Uh, it helps you handle those challenges that can be debilitating with uh, greater ease. And it's been, I think, four years since the last time that I've had those prescriptions filled. Mm. So if it works for me, it can work for anyone. I also noticed when I was reading about you that you help people with chronic pain. Yes. I've oh. dealt with chronic pain since <laughs> I was a teenager. And there's a strong correlation between um, PTSD and anxiety and pain. They all kind of go together. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners deal with chronic pain, whether it be back pain or from arthritis. For me, I have chronic joint pain which now is arthritis. But when I was a teenager, it was just inflammation that would come and go uh, based off of stress. And it's continued my whole life. And I, I didn't know that I was different. I thought everybody felt this sort of pain if they didn't sleep, you know. And then I went to college and people were drinking and staying up all night. And I was a mess the next day if I did any of that. I mean, I would just be in so much debilitating pain. And I started to realize, oh, not everybody is experiencing this. And so I dove into what I could do to improve the pain. The biggest 
thing that's helped me is mind body practices like yoga and tai chi or even just being present while you do your exercises so finding a movement practice that you enjoy that you can infuse that present moment awareness into listen to your body and and its limits and what it needs and meditation which meditation is like boot camp for your focus and your ability to be present so they kind of go hand in hand meditation rebuilds the areas of your brain that tend to degrade with chronic pain, PTSD, anxiety. We have changes, physical changes in our brain when we experience any of those conditions. And meditation counters them. It's like the anecdote, the exact same areas that degrade are rebuilt through meditation. So we have this evidence um, that it helps and it helps over time. So the more you practice, the better you get at it, the more natural it comes, um, the better you're going to be at managing pain. And I, I manage my pain really well now. I mean, it used to be constant and debilitating. Sometimes I'd be bedridden. And now um, I'm able to catch it early. That's one thing that meditation and mindfulness teaches you. And I'm able to listen to what does my body need? I need a bath. I need to rest. I've been go, go, go. Um, I need to drink more water. What is my body asking for? And then I know that just since starting meditating, the pain has been less often and less intense. Um, it's it's not gone away completely. I don't have like, you know, no pain at all. Um, but it's like few and far between when it used to be constant. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Got another question about that. So, like for me, uh, I have I have a spinal disease, and I'm in pain every day. And i I don't take any opioids or anything. Like, well, I say that uh, the medicine that they give me is actually what they give people who are trying to come off of drugs. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like a methadone. And it still has an opioid to it, but I don't have the same effects like if you're taking the other stronger pills. But it, I still, I mean, like I can't get up and do yoga and things like that. Do you have a yoga for the, the I guess you'd say the sit and be fit yeah. generation? Yes. <laughs> That's actually what I do. Um, my YouTube channel and Swanson Wellness has Tai Chi, which is very gentle, flowing martial arts from China that is great for chronic pain. Um, and it has chair yoga. I love chair yoga because I could do it at my desk as a 10-minute break. So I love to do little breaks, you know, whether I'm sitting in the chair or even standing behind the chair, holding on the chair for extra balance and support. Um, 
And, and I also find it's nice to not have to always get on the floor. So I love chair yoga. So check out my YouTube channel and Swanson Wellness for some Tai Chi chair yoga and meditation and self-massage. I'm a licensed massage therapist. And so I was dealing with my own chronic pain and with my clients prescribed self-massage. And it sounds like, oh, what a pain. I have to do that to myself. My hands can't handle it, but I have techniques to handle it. It is, it, you will feel immediate results. And then you'll start to notice, oh, through the day, I'm just giving my neck a little massage and checking in and um, it makes a huge difference. So weirdly on my YouTube channel, the self-massage videos are some of the most popular because the people are like, wow, I didn't realize that would help my pain. My shoulders feel so much better. My hands feel so much better. I have arthritis in my hands as well. I mean, I never realized that I would be dealing with arthritis and I'm only in my 50s. Mm -hmm. but it's my knees, my ankles, my just about every joint in the body. So if, if I'm having problems with my hands, they're all swollen and everything. Um, what, what can I do? First of all, I want to say you're not alone. One in three adults are estimated to have arthritis. It's so common. So many of your listeners are connecting with you on that right now. And I've had arthritis in my hands from being a writer <laughs> <laughs> um, and just all the crafts and things I do with my hands. If you do any repetitive action to your hands. Um, and so I do a lot of hand yoga. Um, one simple thing we can do right now that's actually a meditation as well as hand yoga. You can have your hands in your lap. I'm just holding mine up so you can see them. But have your hands, palms up <laughs> in your lap and touch your thumb to your first finger, your pointer finger. If it doesn't touch it, just get it toward it, you know, um, if your hands are really in pain. And then open it and focus on that opening, reaching, and touch your thumb to your second finger. And then open it and touch your thumb to the tip of your uh, ring finger and open. And then little finger and open. Just continue starting with the first, second, third and fourth finger going between these to warm up the tissue and don't just focus on the bringing in focus on the reaching out afterwards so we don't think about exercising our hands but that could be really helpful to give them a little novel movement in the book there's a meditation that actually has evidence to support it for memory it's a, a meditation um that is used a lot for improving memory and also it, it, it helps with Alzheimer's. So what you do is you're going to touch your thumb to your first finger and you're just gonna say the word sa, just sa. And then second finger, ta. Third finger, na, in a, na. Fourth finger, ma, m-a, ma. And sa. Ta, na, ma, sa, ta, na, ma, sa, ta, na, ma. Now say it in your head for the next few. And 
this repeating of a mantra is what we just did. A mantra is something you repeat and that's your focal point for the meditation. We just added also this focal point of moving the hands. So repeating this mantra, it's in Sanskrit, um, the, the ancient language in India that has a lot of yoga text in it. And you may think, oh, if you're not into this, you're not used to this. You're like, oh, that's weird. Why would I do that? Well, we found that the specific sounds in Sanskrit, according to the philosophy, they evoke certain feelings. But we also found that these, this particular sa, ta, na, ma with the finger positions helps with memory and mood. And so we have research to support it. Um, there's something special about repeating because you're then you can't think about something else when you're saying that, right? You can't, right. You're, you're here <laughs> present with those words and that action in your hand. So it gets you to be present. Does that help with nerve damage as well? The movement of the hands? Yeah, well, it, I mean. Yoga and the, in general. Absolutely. And the awareness that we infuse in it um, is really key. So when we do yoga, we feel our feet on the ground as we go through the different movements. That's one of the big things with like nerve damage is you, you stop feeling your feet and then you lose your balance. Yes. And balance is so important. So we feel our feet, we spread our toes, right? Cause we're barefoot. So that's really helpful to be able to spread your toes in yoga and bring that awareness into your feet, like roots on the ground. You can do it while you're sitting here right now, just spread your toes, press the feet into the ground and imagine your feet growing roots into the ground. That over time is going to help increase your awareness. If you, if you have a, a lack of connectivity, if you have some nerve damage, tingling that could really help um, just by being more aware of it and doing little movements in your ankles and toes and feet, exercising your feet as well as your hands. I have hand yoga on my YouTube channel. I have foot yoga, <laughs> things that you could do for your ankles and feet because each of these body parts need some special attention. And with yoga, it's kind of like meditation. You, you said you got that immediate result when you did a one minute meditation before going on the subway mm -hmm. with yoga. I find if I can do a little bed yoga routine right before I go to bed, I'm able to sleep better. So I have some bed yoga for right before bed or right when you wake up that you could do. I didn't know I'd be talking about my YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm here to talk about the book, <laughs> Meditation for the Real World. But my YouTube channel is a, a, a great resource if you deal with arthritis, since that's um, one of the things I specialize in. Do you have a website? Yes. So with purchasing meditation for the real world, you mm -hmm. get free 14 days of audio meditations that guide you through the book. And they're 10 minutes a day. So super accessible and giving you tips of how you can integrate them into your life. And so you just go to meditation for the real and there's all the links where you can buy the book um, from Amazon, from wherever you are in the world. And then you can just let me know that you got it and you'll get that 14 day meditation journey that has grounded meditations, grounded in science. I find when I do the apps, sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm searching for a meditation for anxiety and I'm like, okay, this is the one I just searched so long, scrolled through. Now I got the one, sit down, relax. 
And then all of a sudden, I've pulled out a green sword and I'm fighting the Archangel Michael. And I'm like, how did I get here? I don't know how I got here. So I, I created these meditations to be really uh, effective and clear and with the evidence to support them. And what about your social media? I have, uh, well, my first book was Science of Yoga. Mm -hmm. So um, that's another book. If you're interested in the science behind yoga and how to like dive into uh, your body and understand it better, understand what's going on internally in your body. If you're a nerd like me, then definitely check out Science of Yoga. And that's my Instagram handle at scienceof.yoga. Um, and I can give you the links to put below in the notes. Thank you so much, Anne, for coming on my show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I also want to thank all you out there. If you are new to the channel, I hope you'll come back. Please hit that subscribe button for my regulars. You guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. Until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network 